Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Peter Feynman, president of Feynman Inc., a design-build company in Lexington, Massachusetts. Lots of people are talking about stress and anxiety these days. Well, Peter's here to show us how to use mindful meditation to help manage anxiety and reactivity when dealing with clients and employees, and to be more effective by facilitating great attention and focus. And we'll hear his advice in just a minute. You just mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. How about a frisk? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hi again. Hi there. How are you? Doing good. Good. Virtual. Doing another a rem- a remote session here. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm excited about this session because, you know, these have been wild times, right? Ups and downs and all sorts of information flying at you. And it's kind of hard to keep your focus and to sort of sort of keep yourself thinking about the present and not get all wound up in worrying about what could might happen. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still just trying to figure out how to work with kids running around and dogs jumping on my lap while I'm trying to do my daily day stuff. No kidding. So, you know, I mean, it affects people, you know, anxiety and all this disruption and uncertainty affects different people different ways. So I just thought that, you know, the more we could help our listeners, give them the tools that could help them during this, this, you know, just this unprecedented crazy time, you know, that it might be helpful. So when I... Yeah, right. Exactly. It's not just good for now. It's good for anything, mindful meditation. So when one of our roundtable members mentioned that he had gained so much from one of his colleagues sharing his experiences with meditation, I had to tap into it. Well, let's tap away. All right. I am excited to have with us Peter Feynman. I've known Peter for many, many years, and he is an incredible business owner, team builder. He's run a very successful, award-winning design-build company for over 30 years in the greater Boston area. And we're really excited to have him here, and today he's going to introduce one of the most powerful tools he has learned to stay in business over the years. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Mark. Nice to see you both once again. Yes, no kidding. You know, I'm, I'm sort of getting into this whole virtual you know, Zoomy team video <laughs> conferencing thing. I, I like it. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I have run about three meditation groups starting in early March, and they all went to Zoom. And it actually has worked out quite well to be able to lead meditation and lead classes through Zoom. I just have to go up to my attic, and I can have, you know, whatever I want in front of me, and I don't have to prepare it in the same way. I can really just have everything at my fingertips. Right. And, um and sometimes I even go mute when I lead a meditation because I have to clear my throat or something like that. But I don't have to worry about that because I have Zoom. It's been actually a great tool for teaching meditation. You know, Peter, you are a very high energy guy and you are, uh, you know, one of these, you, you like direct answers. You're fast moving. You make decisions fast. You're, you know, you're, you're running quickly, typically. It's always been my impression of you. So somehow... Peter Feynman and mindful meditation. I wouldn't have ever guessed that there would be a fit there. Can you understand why I feel that way? 
Well, I think the the misperception is that meditation is for the very quiet, you know, you know, um, laid back people. The truth of the matter is meditation is for all of us. Um, we are all wired a certain way. I am wired the way you just described it. I didn't actually come into this world quiet, mellow, laid back. I came in just the way you know me. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do I deal with those data points so that my life feels that it's uh, kind of more manageable, more controllable, where I actually can kind of feel greater joy and happiness in my life? So it's not about being quiet or being loud or noisy. It's about how do we just quiet our minds regardless of who we are. Okay, so you have not been doing this all the whole time I've known you, which is probably darn close to the whole 30 years. So what made you go in this direction? What was the impetus? Well, I've always been a lifelong searcher. Uh, it's always been me. I've always kind of poked and prodded. And that's why I really went to roundtables over the years. I really wanted to learn more about how I could be more effective. And, and you know in these groups, it's not just about the numbers and the marketing and the leads. It's really about what we bring to our companies and how we're being challenged to be more effective in what we bring to our companies. I mean, if I learned, if I learned anything, I learned that more than anything else in these roundtable groups. Great. Um, so, you know, back when I'm, I'm mid-60s now, and back in my 40s, early 50s, I always had this idea that meditation would be one of those tools. And I had this great opportunity in 2008 to go to a, a five-day retreat um, in upstate New York. It was about three, four hours from here. And there were kind of two elements of that retreat that really kind of worked for me. One was I realized I didn't have to sit like a Buddha at a meditation retreat. <laughs> that would be helpful. This, this, this body does not sit like a Buddha. Okay. <laughs> and the other more powerful piece was um, we had to do about a day of silence. Now, you already know me, Victoria. I don't do silence well. <laughs> You're right. So, so the anticipation that I had about going into this day of silence was the anxiety was really palatable. It was really there. And uh, I went into this day of silence and we got, I got through it and I said, wow, that wasn't so bad. And I would say at that stage of my life, the piece, the meditation, the piece of meditation that was most powerful for me was um, being comfortable with myself. I would say that I always needed a lot of exterior stimulation to kind of be comfortable. And that day of silence said, wait a second, I can actually spend time with myself and we're not so bad together. Okay, great. (laughs) So as that happened and I had that experience, I then began to sit most mornings for about 20 minutes. I found a, a spot in my house. I've had two spots in this house since about 2000. Um, you know, I've been in this house for 20 years, but I had two spots in this house. And I've always sat every morning for 20 minutes, um, and I really started practicing and working on what it meant to be quiet for 20 minutes. Now, the real benefit has been that it's made me be more aware of how I feel, how I experience myself. But I think the more powerful thing is that I have really gotten to enjoy myself and be comfortable with myself so much more in the last 12 to 15 years than I ever had before. We really are starting to like each other. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so, okay, besides that, I mean, okay, so you like each other, you know, or like, you like yourself. So how was that manifested outside? Well, I think, I think what I've really seen in the business over the years is 
it, you know, as you said, um, I had a highly reactive uh, approach to managing my business. And I've had some people who've been with me 20, 30 years, and they still will tell stories from 25 years ago. Um, and the meditation has really taught me to kind of stop and watch the reactivity and react a lot less. I, I gave an example in one of my classes yesterday in which in 2000, I had this architect at work for me, and she made a really bad mistake with a client, and I fired her immediately. Right? I, I reacted. Right? And then the client was so upset, we spent the next six months fighting our way to the finish line. You know what that feels like. Right. Mm -hmm. So recently, um, kind of mid-COVID, I had a project manager that I really knew that I didn't really want to keep going here any longer. But there was about four or five weeks left to that job. I didn't fire that person. I wanted to. I wanted to save the money. But I didn't. And then just around the week, as that job wound down, I told that project manager I was terminating him because I wanted to make sure that I didn't affect the client. So in the year 2000, I behaved in a way in which my actions hurt my client and hurt me with my client. And in 2020, I didn't react, and I just was able to sit with the discomfort of having someone that was costing me more money than I wanted to pay for. So I, I can tell stories like this for days of how I learned to kind of be less reactive to what my staff's doing and giving it more time and space to let it play itself out. That really has been the shift and the change. And I think it's made me a more effective leader because instead of reacting to people's bad days and bad moments, I've been able to kind of sit with them and really determine whether these are bad days and bad moments or they are something more substantial. Okay. All right. Great. Now, what about your personal life? How has it affected, you know, have you seen changes in your personal life? Well, I think in my personal life, it's been several ways. Um, I kind of make a joke that I can't believe how smart my wife has gotten in the last five years. <laughs> okay. We've been married 35 years. And when I tell people that, they kind of smirk at me because they know she didn't get any smarter. <laughs> I got smarter and understood how I should listen to her more and how effective she could be when I ask her for guidance and support. So I think in my marriage of 35 years, it's really allowed me to kind of uh, accept my wife more for who she is, accept our differences, but also really appreciate the great love and the bond that we've had for 35 years and to feel that I'm the luckiest man in the world to have married this person. And and I think it's partly because I've been able to kind of look at each other, look at our marriage in a different light than I might have 10 and 20 years ago. I think in the same breath, I've also learned to kind of be a better listener and a better friend and a, to my, my, my grown children. Um, you know, one of my children had some really challenging times about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, I'm able to kind of sit and support uh, this child of mine and not react. I and mean, there are some days I still get phone calls and I go, yep, you're having a bad day, honey, instead of me trying to fix it. Ah, so you think that's a benefit? So jumping in and trying to fix it? Well, you know, one of my ground rules when I lead a meditation class is no fixing, no feedback. During so what does that mean? Well, that, so I, I, I'm leading a NARI class, an, EM, an Eastern Mass NARI class, and I, I, we all want to fix. We're, we're all built to fix in this business, right? We fix, and we have the answers. And I say when you go to a meditation class, with our, our role is to sit there and listen to others 
and to watch what they say, but do it with less judgment and don't try to have the answers, but don't simply let that person share what their experience is. So that's what I mean by no fixing, no feedback. I listen to where you're at and I can validate where you're at, but my job is not to fix where you're at. Right, right. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how your uh, meditation practice has helped you specifically during COVID. I mean, you t mentioned about being more patient, not reacting. How has it helped you specifically now? Well, I think um, when COVID was blowing up in mid-March and there was all this energy, I had a very great experience. In the second week of March, I was watching CNN every day. And then on the 20th, I'll never forget, it was the 20th of March. I go home, I turn on CNN, and all I could hear is Wolf Blitzer yelling at me. Yeah. And I turned it off, and I haven't turned on CNN since. <laughs> I have not turned on the television in three months, other wow. than great Netflix shows, <laughs> because I was aware that the news was making me anxious. Yeah. I do read the paper. I read critical articles. I try to read articles about uh, certain events, um, you know, certain pieces of data, but I've really minimized the amount of outside sources that were stimulating me and making me anxious. Um, I also watch a number of people in my local industry really react very quickly and shut down their operations. COVID, it's here, we're done. I actually stopped and I really listened and watched and I said to myself, I think we can continue to do this. Let's put protocols into place. Very quickly, I made one of my project managers my safety officer. So uh -huh. all things COVID, she was handling. Uh, and very quickly, we had... PPEs and hand sanitizers, and we cut back the amount of people who were in sites. And I really took it a week by week. You know, I, I was also listening to see if the governor was going to shut us down. Well, he didn't shut us down. Uh, and once I realized he was letting us stay open, I then said, let's just take this week by week. So instead of reacting to fear, I looked at what was going on on my sites with my clients and trying to figure out what my people needed to be comfortable. There were some days that they actually just all wanted to go home. Yeah. But I, I, I was able to hold, you can go home, but I also think you can work if we do the following. So I think they got a message of me of, you can leave, but if you're willing to stay, we'll make it comfortable for you. Right. So I didn't react to fear. I reacted to what I thought I could do and I remember the great relief around late May when I saw most of my peers come back to work. And I said to myself, whoa, I made the right decision. I didn't know if I was making the right decision right. <laughs> many days. But I did check in. At least once or twice a week, I'd go, boy, is this the right thing, Peter? And all I could hear myself say is, you're doing okay. Mm -hmm. Keep going. So I trusted my gut. Yeah. I listened to the data and I led my company through COVID so that when everybody went back to work, there was all this anxiety of how to do it again. We already figured it out as we were doing it. And the last month has been quite easy for us because we already have in place the guidelines that everybody else had to put in place. Right. Good for you. That's awesome. Are you worried about the future of your business? Are you stuck? and unsure about what step to take next? Do you have any doubts about your ability to lead through this crisis? Whether it's business, finance, or production, we have the experienced professional coaches standing by to help you and your team battle through these uncertain times. To learn more about our coaching program, 
and to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with our head coach, Doug Howard, visit remodelercoach.com today. Now back to the show. Tell me, you know, I mean, I've tried meditation in the past, and I find it so difficult because it's the whole concept of focusing on your breathing, and I can't um, get myself to stop thinking about all the other things that are out there. You know, and, and have my mind just go and get distracted. You and everybody else, Victoria. <laughs> yeah. So, and so people like you and I who move fast, we think we're the only ones that don't go right. But, but I don't know Mark well enough. If Mark's a quiet guy, his mind's doing the same thing. So is my wife's mind doing the same thing because she's a quiet, kind of contained person. Everybody's mind is busy and active. What the mindfulness practice really teaches you is the ability to note and name what's going on, but not change it, but to note and name it. When I lead a meditation, I will quite often say, if you are, if your mind is wandering right now, for this moment, can you note it? Can you name it? Can you just watch it? Because it always changes. Uh-huh. Always changes. So... I didn't take on meditation to become quiet. I took on meditation to learn to kind of watch how my, my mind worked and to begin to kind of kind of watch it and trust it and appreciate it as Peter's mind, uh-huh. not try to be the Dalai Lama or the Buddha, but just to be Peter's mind. Yeah. You know, um, my, my daughter, cute, she calls me Papa Lama sometimes, but <laughs> it's a family joke. Um, yeah. So... But so it's the beauty of mindfulness meditation is not to change what our minds are doing, but to learn to watch what our minds are doing. And that's a really powerful tool. So if I come to the office, there was a day about three weeks ago, I came to the office and I was ready to bite whose ever head came in front of me. And I found myself saying, oh, you're really agitated, Peter. And I didn't know why, but I was just agitated. I almost actually left and went home. Wow. I could see that I was really going to do something that day was not going to be good. (laughs) And I noted it. I named it. And you know what happened over the next half hour? It changed. Ah, okay. And I ended up staying in the office till six o'clock that night because I settled back down into whatever was upsetting me. I was able to settle back down and work it through because I was able to note it. And name it. And the most important piece is able to note it and name it without judgment. Mm-hmm. And the word is really without judgment because mindfulness is having non-judging awareness. Okay. Because most of the time, all of us are judging our, our thoughts right. and our behaviors and our experiences. Oh, I can't believe I feel this way again. I shouldn't be fa- I shouldn't be afraid. What the hell is wrong with me? Because I'm afraid. What, right. We could talk about this for days. So <laughs> it's really it's the non-judging awareness where we say ah, right now I'm having this experience. I'm having this experience. Yeah. And that is actually the tool. And I think it's a wonderful tool for business leaders to be able to say, I'm having this experience. We're still angry. We're still anxious. We're still agitated. We're still all the things that we are as business leaders, right? But we can begin to name it and hold it and validate it. So instead of me being highly strung Peter, I am just Peter with a certain brain that works a certain way, and I'm able to embrace it and actually say that's what I am. You don't have to be like me, Mark. Neither do you, Victoria. You're unique. You are the most unique person on the planet. No one's ever going to be like us ever again. Mm -hmm. Celebrate it. 
So, Peter, I'm curious, can you, if you could frame it, maybe I'm just, and believe me, I'm not very quiet, so <laughs> but Victoria will attest to that, but mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of sounds like this is happening throughout the day, right? But but is there, you're also, I guess what I'm trying to get my head around is, is, is there, are you doing this something at, at for 20 minute period in a day? Is it daily exercises or, or how does, how does it work? The mechanics of it? That's a good question. So I think there are two parts of kind of mindfulness. One is we practice to build the muscle. You may work out, you may run, you may get on a treadmill, you may do yoga. Right? We all have, we might all have these kind of exercise routines that we do because when we do them, our brains get used to them and our brains start actually making our bodies healthier. So I sit every day in silence for 20 minutes to build the muscle of awareness. But I don't stop because I've begun, I have been building this muscle of awareness for 12, 13 years now. I'm able to bring the mindfulness into my daily life so that I can check in more often and be aware of what's happening. And the, and the awareness is where the, le- the less reactivity occurs. So we practice to have the muscle so that when we come from the office, like I did three, four weeks ago, just fit to be tied. I could say, ooh, I'm fit to be tied today. (laughs) The awareness was beautiful because the awareness kept me from behaving in a way that I would have actually felt horrible about. Ah, that's interesting. So we've got a friend who is practicing transcendental meditation, which uses a uh, mantra, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that is different than the type of meditation you use, yes? Yes, I mean, yes and no. I think if you've been practicing for TM for decades, the use of the mantra has had the same power of making that person, that practitioner aware of what's going on. They're just using the tool of TM to get to mindfulness. I'm using the tool of insight meditation to get to mindfulness. We actually do mantra meditation in mindfulness is one of the tools that we use. Okay. Um, there's a great prayer in mindfulness called loving kindness prayer. And it really is a mantra. I have to tell you for years, that was actually what I meditated on using the loving kindness prayer. It just helped me help my mind be quiet and settle down. I had surgery about three, four years ago. I had to have, I had thyroid cancer and I had to remove my thyroid. And I get into the operating room. And I said to my physician, I've been doing a loving kindness prayer for you. And the nurse says, will you include me? <laughs> I was out within a minute because they were they putting me on anesthesia. But I really, I, I remember the whole time after I was taken into the pre-surgical, just I kept on doing, may I be filled with loving kindness, may I be well. I was doing that to kind of keep myself quiet and calm because it's anxious to have someone cut open your throat. Yeah. <laughs> so so I really remember heading into that kind of surgery, really kind of calm. I remember getting to the anesthesia room and they said, do you want some anxiety meditation? I said, nope, I'm all set. <laughs> Great. That's, that's really cool stuff, Peter. Really good. Well, hey, how about if we meditate on some uh, lightning round questions now? What do you think? Okay. <laughs> and now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. All right, we're going to put 60 seconds on the theoretical clock here. 
What's your favorite business book and why? In 1992, I wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it changed the way I ran my business. It helped me put in order the roles that I was playing so that I made sure to do those roles until I could actually hand those roles off to members of my company over the years. Thank you, Steve Covey. <laughs> if you weren't a remodeling business owner, what do you think you'd be doing? I was wired to do this, Mark. <laughs> I have loved this business for 30 plus years, and I couldn't have been happier. I will never look back and go, I wish I had done something else. I did what I was supposed to do. That's awesome. What are you not very good at? Patience. <laughs> when they gave out patience, I was never got anywhere near the front of the line. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? I am simply the most organized person you know. Both are clean. Okay. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing I'd find in your refrigerator? Weirdest thing you find in my refrigerator? Oh, I love half-sour pickles. Half-sour? <laughs> oh, I do. I love the half-sour pickles that go with my sandwich every day. <laughs> do you sing in the shower? Do I sing it? I actually make up songs all the time. I have, an, I have an international student that lives with me, and we play pool every night, and I'm always singing while we play pool. He's starting to sing the songs that I'm singing. <laughs> made up songs. Made up songs. Hey, Peter, this is awesome. Thank you so much for doing this and sharing your insights with us. It's fascinating. And again, the, the more tools that our listeners have in their quiver to help them in these challenging times, the better. So we really appreciate you sharing this with us. Now, before I let you go, though, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience and why they resonate with you. Okay. See the unique differences of, your, of the people you work with. Okay. So why is that? Because I think we want to put the people who work with us into roles. And I think that's great. But no one fits all the roles you want them to be in. If you can find the unique differences, then you begin to really leverage people's strengths and also begin to support them in the areas that they're not as strong. Okay. Don't ask for all people to be all things. Hopefully you get a lot of people to be a lot of things. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. Great advice, Peter. And, you know, it's wonderful to have somebody like you who've been in this business, have been so successful. And um, it's just great talking to you again. Great. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate this opportunity to speak with you today. I, I am passionate about mindfulness. I was passionate about my years in roundtables. Uh, yes. I think these are tools that make us better what we do. That's why I do it. Hey, Peter, if people want to learn more about your classes, how would they do that? Well, I am, I've been, um, I've been, I have some ongoing classes going on right now, and I've been uh, organizing another class to start kind of in July, and I've been considering doing kind of Monday evenings, early Monday evenings, East Coast time, and offers, okay. uh, you know, generally I offer these classes in four-week stints so that mm -hmm. people can kind of feel their way into it. I find if you ask for people to make more than four-week commitments, they tend not to. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, great. We'll put the word out then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Victoria. Okay, so you, Mark, my friend, are a cynic a bit on this sort of thing. So what did you think after listening to Peter talk about his experience? Sounds interesting. Sounds good. Um, I just, I'm not saying, I don't have a problem with it. You, you make it kind of sound like I'm, I'm like anti-meditation. No, but <laughs> anti -meditation. for yourself, 
I just I think I would really struggle with it. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I, it's probably really bad. I mean, my mind is always going a million miles an hour, and I, I don't. What it comes down to is I don't like not not doing stuff, not not doing stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I always want to be productive. I mean, heck, even my drive into work, at least when we used to drive into work, right. um, it's like I, I don't just zone out to music. Put on a book, put on a podcast, learn, 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 constant, right. constant, constant. I want to, I feel like I'm wasting hours of my day. So right. it's something that I just put up a wall to, the thought of, you know, kind of just sitting there. Now, I know my wife and probably you as well, and I know probably Steve and a couple other people would love for me to do that day of silence deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remain silent right now on that one. <laughs> yeah. But, um. But yeah, it's you know I'm I'm willing to try anything, but I'll tell you it's 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 tough. I you know I sometimes I catch myself on a Saturday sitting on the sofa if if the kids are not around and 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 Deb's doing something and I'll just kind of feel like you know I'm not being very productive and I'll open up the laptop and start trying to get something done because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm wasting time. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know I look at it as just sort of a tool to help you to help one be more present because I'm I find myself always thinking about the next thing I have to accomplish versus or or the right. next thing that's going to happen versus appreciating the moment for what it is you yeah. know yeah I mean it sounded it sounded very interesting and and it's definitely worth a shot I mean maybe I'll have to sign up for his class so I can there you go learn that how to do it yeah <laughs> all right well so you just you just want me to do that one day of silence thing <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll sign up for that one. <laughs> well, thank you again to Peter Feynman. He was awesome. And I hope you all out there in our listening audience uh, got a tip or two from him. We'll see you next week. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. Bye. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the remodeler's guide to business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.